Today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers and, or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. On today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven, we talked about team building with John Hollinger, a former NBA executive. Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato. I'm the athletic beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks, as you probably know. And with me, as as you probably also know, it's it's Dave Dufour. Dave, hello. Hi. Is this hello. the part where we pretend we didn't just spend 20 minutes talking? We spent like five minutes. It was actually a record. <laughs> it was a record this time. We, 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 we were very efficient getting into this, other than talking about the onions I have cooking in the oven. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, John Hollinger, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys? We're good. So we've got a, we've got John on, um, famously of uh, PER and then the Grizzlies. And in that order, what are what are you most famous for? What do you think the most people know you for? PER, I, I, I figure. Pro- probably for PER. Yeah. I was. It's, uh, not, it's not the. It's not the amazing weirdly, Twitter weirdly, account. Weirdly, like people associate me with the trade machine too, even though that was actually Sachin Gupta that did did it all. Right. <laughs> it had the thing Hollinger's analysis at the bottom. I forget who I was talking to. But it might have been Stan Van Gundy, but I was talking to somebody about Boban recently, uh-huh. and they were just like, "Yeah, and you know, and Boban, you know, he, his his per, you know, his PER is right up there, you know, top five ever or something." Yeah. Uh, just because of like the, the weird efficiency he gets in these in these small limit dosages. And he was just like, yeah, if you go look at John Hollinger's stats, that's just like it wasn't even PR. It's just like, you know, that John Hollinger stat. And I was just like, well, yeah, OK, everybody does know you. That checks um, and, out, though. He's definitely one of the five most effective players of all time. I mean, he is. I mean, I, I, I would actually be fine spending 25 <laughs> minutes talking just about Boban. So you guys are going to have to uh, push Gina, back against that. If they I played um, like. Six on six, like the way Iowa plays. Oh man, girls basketball. <laughs> you just had Boban down at the one end on offense. He'd be pretty valuable, right? Yeah, I'm, or I'm, get rid of the defensive three seconds. I'm slightly spoiling a piece that will eventually come out, but um, what what Stan Van Gundy actually, you know, what what he ended up telling me is like like he really thought about. It. I think I've actually mentioned this on this before uh, on this pod before. Like he really struggled with whether he should play Boban more, and and even. You know, it's something he still thinks about after the fact about, you know, even though he had major defensive limitations, um, especially five, five years ago, was he good enough offensively that he just should have played more, you know, especially when there were, you know, a few more traditional centers to, to kind of match him up against. So, um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Boban. Um, we're here to talk we're about not? team building. Oh, I know, I know, I, I know. I think this is a mistake, Tim. <laughs> I think All right. Taking us away from Bofon might be the biggest mistake you've ever made. Well, you're you're supposed to start strong and then and then you work in the bad news. And the bad news is that we're here to talk about team building um, because team building is interesting. And I think the Mavericks are at an interesting cross section. And, you know, it's this is this is a topic we bring up, you know, pretty much every podcast. It's not, you know, it's not unique or or the first time that we're going to delve into this. But. It is a different way we're going to delve into it with someone who, you know, was was actually in, in charge of, of, you know, leading this to some degree and uh, for for an actual NBA team. 
And and just I guess to start out, um, is this the hardest part about building a team? Um, is the 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 part where you have stars, but you have to decide how to take the stars to you know a a championship level team, a contending team. Um, how hard is that relative to other things you have to do? So you know, I would say team building process. I would say it's the second hardest part. So the Mavs have accomplished the hardest part, which is getting the stars. That's fair. But that is that is the hardest part, um, especially if you're in a non glamour market, right? But, you know, if you're the Lakers, you can do everything horribly for years, and then LeBron and Anthony Davis just show up. So it's a little different. Not that that would ever but, happen, but hypothetically, yeah, that hypothetically, could of course. Yeah, and sure. then, but the second hardest part, and the thing we experienced in Memphis is going from trying to be a really good team to being a championship level team. That that's that can be a real challenge. I I, I think this Mavs team right now is definitely pointed in the right direction. Like they're having a good year this year they're actually better in some ways than their record if you look at kind of their point differential and whatnot um they've been poor slash unlucky in latent close games however you want to describe it uh so they're in a pretty good position that way i mean luka Doncic obviously is you know 20 years old and has all kinds of runway to have you know a decade-long impact as one of the best players in the league uh, and then you have the second star with Boban. So you're, you know, <laughs> you actually, well, yeah, seriously though, you have Przingis now who as a number two is a pretty good number two. Um, like, I don't know if he can be the best player on an elite team, but he could be the second best player on an elite team with his floor space and his defense and everything. Right. Um, kind of, kind of have a, have a couple really good high level pieces now. And so the question is, how do they how do they get better from here? What do they, you know, what what's their pathway to being a true championship contender? I think part of that pathway is just let Luca get better as he gets in his 20s, right? How much better is he gonna get? I mean, I mean, it's that was the two, question though when right. he was 18. That yeah. was, I mean, that was why people were kind of backsliding off him in the draft. It was funny, I wrote about this, you know, right right before everything shut down, but you know, the viewpoint on him in Spain was that he was like kind of this mostly finished product and how much better would he get? And he's improved more than any player in the league since he got drafted. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's amazing how because I watched him for years in Europe and it's amazing how much he he's actually embraced the parts of the NBA that can make you a superstar. He didn't play this way in in Spain. And an efficient efficiency is always going to be something that can be improved by by young players. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a you know esoteric you know non tangible thing in some ways. Like it's not a skill he has to improve, but he will start making better decisions. He will start you know I I, I mean I guess three point shooting is certainly a skill, and I, I would imagine that you know looking at him he, he does take tough shots, but you know I, I see room for improvement there. Um, just generally, you know, his feel is is obviously incredible, but you can still watch him, and you know, he he makes mistakes that I think, you know, in 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 years to come he won't. So, you know, it, it's not about uh, you know, learning a new dribble or you know, getting better with his finishing or or increasing his you know range. Like th- there are there are like things but that that's kind of that's kind of though what he did do. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll disagree a little because. And, you know, when, when he came from Spain, 
he like he had a lot of trouble getting past guys off the dribble and he just hasn't had that at the NBA level. Yeah, like especially he's, he's, this season. That that has been something very specific. Like, you know, his first season he was all right at it, but you know, the the way that he uh has improved in that area is I've said this before is is still the most mind-blowing thing about a season this year. It's just that he can beat anyone off the dribble if he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah, and and I agree with you. Like he's he's just okay as a three-point shooter right now. And that's an obvious place where there's still money sitting on the table for him to grab. So when you have the two star players. How, how, um, how far can you break down what you want next to them? Obviously, there are limitations to the players you can acquire. There are, you know, you, you can't just say, I want this player. I, I want to build a player in a, in a science lab because this is the perfect fit. But, but when you kind of have two players, how, how do you look at, all right, we need this next to them. We need that next to them. We need this type of player. We need that type of player. Is it purely based off availability? Do you build out archetypes before you even look at the market and say, or, 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 you know, you take archetypes like we would love a player like this, and then you assign names of players that might be obtainable in, in the future? Like, how, how would you break down that process of deciding who gets to play next to them? The players who are available will probably fit imperfectly into whatever box you assign for like, you know, it would really be ideal. Um, I do think in the, in Dallas's case, you know, Luke is going to be on the ball in any moment that's important. So somebody who's capable of being effective off the ball, somebody who's really good shooter, somebody who's a really good defender who, who can contribute in a lot of plus ways without necessarily needing the ball a lot. And Dallas has some of these guys already. I mean, certainly Porzingis is a guy like that. Some of their role players are guys like that, right? When you look at like Max Kleber, or Seth Curry, or guys like that, you know, if I'm Dallas, the name I'm circling is Bradley Beal because yes. there's a chance he'll become available. He's still not that old, so he can fit into that window with with Luca and Porzingis. And you know, the Mavs have set themselves up where they can be uh, a max room team in the summer of 21. So they 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 set themselves up to have advantages in the market. And it's just a question of what, you know, who's, who's going to be available a, and then right. what's, what's the price for, for Dallas. I mean, they're, they're a little bit asset poor is the other part of this because they put in the first to New York. So they're pretty limited in what they could include in a trade. People are going to value their draft picks that highly anyway, because they figure they have Luca, they're going to be a good team. And, they don't have a lot of young guys with like real high level trade value. I mean, like, you know, Jalen Brunson's been a nice pick and whatever, but at the end of the day, nobody's trading a star player to taking back Jalen Brunson. Right. Or, or so, Tim Hardaway probably. Yeah. I mean, who, Hardaway who is the interesting included. one because, yeah. um, you know, he has that opt out on his contract mm -hmm. and that could, that could potentially throw a little bit of a wrinkle into Dallas's plans because if he opts out of that, what you're looking at if you're Dallas is uh, an imperfect scenario as far as the summer of 21, because he's not probably going to re-sign with you on a one-year deal, which is the thing you'd really want if you're Dallas. Right, because you want to keep that powder dry. Yeah, exactly. So then if he goes someplace else, though, then you're taking a step back, and what do you do to, to fill that spot? You'll have, they actually would have cap room if he, if he left. They'd get to like $23 million. But it's not a great summer to have cap room. I mean, where do you, where do you get? You're getting... Somebody who's hey, your best, best case scenario is getting somebody who's just like Tim Hardaway, basically. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, 
Tim Hardaway might be the best guy on the market if he opts out. As yeah. far as that that wing that can shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like him and Evan Fournier and a couple of those guys have really interesting decisions because they're not all-star players, but they it's a market where they could potentially get overpaid. Yeah, you're right. Like Hardaway's thing is like you, you wish he was like 5 to 10% better. You wish that he could do a little bit more uh, you know, playmaking, creating other shots, creating his own shots just a little bit, you know, for for late game situations when Luca, you know, really gets bogged down and starts struggling. But yeah. like like you guys said, Hardaway is almost exactly the player that you would want. You like, is it is it too much to say? As, and, and I think it might be, especially because Hardaway's had one exactly one season that, that he's been this good. Um, but but is it too much to say, all right, this can be our third best offensive player? And, and we need to get maybe a player who's as good as Hardaway and, and does things, does other things uh, to that level. But maybe Hardaway being the third best player or, you know, have having a few players of his quality. Like, is that enough to build a championship team to, or, or, you know, or, or do you really have to think about, well, this this can't be the third best player on it? I, I don't know. Like, how, how do you think about how, how do you what's the thought I think, process? I mean, like I do think it's like possible that? to 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 get to a championship level with just like. Luca Porzingis and a bunch of pretty good players who aren't all stars. Like right. I, I do think that is that is possible, depending on the level of, that those two guys. If we think the Bucks are championship to, contenders, then surely the Mavs could be right too. Like that's their strategy as well, right? Yeah, I mean, think like think about like the 2003 Spurs, for instance. Go back and look at that team. It was like a bunch of rookies and old guys and Tim Duncan playing out of his mind. Right. Like, <laughs> that like that there there are teams that have that have one at the highest levels with surprisingly thin crews behind their superstars. So Dallas actually has a pretty good bunch of role players right now. I mean, we saw this season, they would play five man bench units and, mm-hmm. and, you know, go on runs and, and change games. What do you see as a deficiency for them? I mean, I, like we, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, Tim Hardaway, probably a top 10 shooter this season uh, was really fantastic, but, they didn't have anybody else that that was a knockdown guy that, that they could trust. Well, I think you're focusing on That's the wrong end, though. I mean, they they were number yeah. one in offense, right? But they're right. defensively, they're not good enough. Yeah, and with Porzingis as kind of as the five, um, you know, would you just run with that, or would you be trying to find, I mean, Brook Lopez type guy out there that can actually like anchor a defense? I mean, there those guys don't grow on trees. Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting because yeah, you could play. You could play Porzingis at the four, but I think what you'd probably want more than that is somebody who's more that more in that four three four range who can who can be kind of a multi position switch guy and maybe has a little bit of toughness to him. But uh, let's let's Porzingis play more of a more of a five. I think Porzingis's best position is five. Yeah, um, Robert Covington would have been perfect four for Dallas this year, depending on what you consider Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba. Like Cleve is a good player Mm -hmm. Um, and they have him on a great contract. But when you start getting into conference semifinals, conference finals, like the bar is so much higher. That's where it gets tougher. They definitely need another perimeter defender. I mean, Hardaway was shockingly competent on defense this year, but I still, I still like you're, you know, you're not getting a lot from Luca on that end. And, you know, you got kind of all these small guards running around. I, I just, I just think they need a little more, solidness there uh, on, the, on the perimeter, too, uh, as far as their defense goes. John, you mentioned the name that I think might kind of solve these things that we, we keep talking about these topics. And, and also is 
a, a player I'm trying to figure out exactly how he fits going forwards, and that's Dwight Powell. Um, so, so just to lay out the facts, I, I do think Porzingis is best of the five. His long-term future is at the five. Um, that, that really unlocks the offense. I do think Powell's a really good offensive player. Just, just you know, one of the best five role men in the league. Statistically, has been that for years. I, I do think that, you know, he adds something to this offense. But we also saw the offense not lose much when, when Powell had his Achilles injury. Uh, you know, about halfway through the season, it was still, you know, if not the best ever offense, you know, right up there. And he is Powell is clearly someone who, you know, tries pretty hard on defense and, and is able to, you know, defend some four matchups. All right. But isn't a shot blocker, you know, isn't isn't really a steals guy, um, you know, just doesn't have a clear defined role defensively that he can fill. And so when you think about this team and you say, they're so good offensively. They, and they're only going to get better as Porzingis and, and Doncic continue growing and developing and getting comfortable together. They're, they might be at their ceiling more or less offensively. And it's the defense that has to improve. It, I feel like Powell is, is the obvious example of someone who is, you know, so offensive focused and on another team that that was more deficient off- offensively might be a lot more valuable. But perhaps on this one, especially given the positional limitations of, of Porzingis and Powell, and, you know, this backcourt in general, uh, is that the type of player that, that you look at and be like, all right, let's see what we can do to improve that and, and move up, perhaps move on from him uh, for the sake of better defense? Not not for the sake of him as a player, just that maybe he doesn't fit the long term, uh, you know, going forwards. But I'll put it this way. If they could if they could get somebody who was better than Dwight Powell, yeah, I would go ahead and do it. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be locked into the idea that Dwight Powell's our guy. I, you know, like. I mean, it's basically, as you point out, he's a, he's a really good rim runner offensively. Um, doesn't give you a whole lot else on the offensive end. And defensively, like, he's sort of okay at best, kind of gets mashed by the bigger post players. So I think that's something that they're going to have to look at. Might also look in the backcourt, though. They've tended to go with more offensive-minded guards, uh, with the exception of DeLon Wright and... I, I just wonder if, like I said, get, getting a little more solid there when you, when you already know that Luca is one of your perimeter defenders, like you, I, I think you just need to be more solid at the point of, the t- of attack. And then that makes the game so much easier for your bigs. You'd have a guy to at least guard the other team's initiator competently. And you can yeah, like who, who guards the other Luka team's best bit. player. I mean, they've tried it with Dorian Finney-Smith. Like he's a, yeah, he's all right. But again, when you get into these highest levels. Right. Like, all, all right doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> I mean, maybe they even need a better version of DeLon Wright, who I, I think was probably the, you know, the, the player who fit worst this season or, or just like didn't really mesh in, in, in a cohesive way. And he is a good defender, no question. But, you know, maybe if you could get a, you know, and again, like it, the, the problem with thinking about a, a good defender and upgrading a good defender is that. You know, all 29 other teams are also looking for these type players. But, yeah. you know, a true a true defensive stopper at the guard position, uh, something they don't have right now. Um, you know, I, I think that's that that would change the dynamics of this team. And, and, and like you said, you know, I, I think that their 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 lead stopper, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, a very good defender, uh, was overmatched in, in instances. You know, he is he is not, uh, you know, going to go shut down any you know, any true star player, um, you know, your James Harden's, your, your LeBron James's and, you know, not, not that anyone can, um, but 
but to the extent that that this is the best defender, there's a, there's a lot of other best defenders on on teams that are better than Finney Smith, and that's yeah. that's no knock to him, and and he'd fit really well, you know, as as a as a secondary wing defender, as as someone who is you know more of a help help defender or or more of a you know play takes on more of a passive role within the yeah. defense. Um, you know, it's funny you, and it's it's hard because you plug a hole somewhere and the dike leaks somewhere else, right? Like, right. Because with, with the team we had, we had the opposite problem where we could put Tony Allen on anybody and be totally fine. And the issue was just how, how are we going to score points with this team? And we tried so hard to get a, you know, a high-level wing player who could offer some offensive dynamism and uh, uh, you know, swung and missed badly a couple times and never quite got it solved. Let's say that they miss out on Giannis in 2021 because I mean this is a team they're they're not going to be in title contention next year unless Luca, I think they'll they could be in fringe contention without the defense could they make it to the conference finals next year I think they have a puncher's I mean, chance Portland made it offense. last year right yeah. like they they could make it to the conference finals okay let's say to get over the hump they need mm-hmm. one more guy mm-hmm. which I I actually don't necessarily ascribe to I think two stars and a bunch of role players is probably how the league I mean it's definitely how the league is trending because of the the salary cap and and people not you know not yeah, wanting to have, pay on so the Dallas has this really unique window because Luca's still on his rookie deal and then right. once he signs his extension that's over and they have Luca and Perzingis on max deals and there's no way you can jam a third max into, right. into the cap basically. and that's that's why that 2021 summer is is the one they're right. looking forward to so let's say let's say uh, they miss out on Giannis, which is, of course, you know what the guy everyone wants. They miss out on Giannis, but Giannis leaves the Bucks. Would you try to put together a package to get Chris Middleton? He'd be, yeah, he'd be interesting. Kind of fits that role a little bit. He'd right? be interesting playing with Luca. Like he's a pretty good defender, and obviously an absolute knockdown shooter, and good enough that he can kind of commandeer the offense with the second unit and be be a pillar of that would be getting into his 30s on a pretty big number. So there'd be some risk with that. But, that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting deal for the, for the Mavs. Yeah, because I, I do think he fits with, with what this team has. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, his deal would be getting a lot shorter. I mean, it, it, he'd only have, what, two years left, I think, at that point? Yeah, he don't he'd well, he'd ha- no, that's not true. He'd have two years and then an option year. So three years with that last year being $40 million. Oof. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but but, but you know, he's the type. Like right? the, these, realistically, like these are the hard choices you end up making when you have a team at this point. That and I, and they're and they're all very imperfect. So so I mean, just from your experience, how how do you make that decision? Because it seems like the easier path is to say, okay, there's no way we can pay Chris Middleton thirty five, thirty seven, and forty, but man, we could get a couple of good players at like 15 a piece, 15, 20. And at least, you know, we, we might get something close to that type of production. How do you, how do you make that choice when you have it? If you have it. Yeah. It's interesting because we, you know, we never really had cap room in Memphis, except for the one summer when everyone had cap room and splurged it on, on deals. They all instantly regretted. Um, So we won't get too far into that, but um, you know, <laughs> navigate. This is a really interesting choice, almost that Dallas has because they can they can kind of go either direction. I I think most people would say you go after the one blue chip over the two red chips, 
because especially once you have a contending team, it's pretty easy to get halfway decent veteran players to come to you on exception money and minimums and whatnot. So I would, I would probably still lean in that direction if I were the Mavs, but I can understand the mentality to just, you know, put have players three through seven, just be really good and just, just overwhelm people with two superstars and a bunch of good players, uh, kind of San Antonio style almost. Yeah. Right. And, and, they're, and it also, they're almost there. It's, it's the luxury of having an owner that's willing to pay the tax for a good team. What um and, and this is this is probably a, a good concluding question and and takes us a little bit on a different path. What did you make of the Mavericks front office? And and I think um I, I say this specifically in like like the way they operate. And I think that every fan would be surprised to learn how their front office actually works. Um, how mm-hmm. the idea that power dynamics are very fractured and weird and don't make a lot of coherent logical sense in. A lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that the Mavericks are one of those where, you know, Cuban has the final say and is really heavily involved, unlike some owners. Um, yeah. Although certainly not like all, you know, there are some yeah. owners who are very involved as, as involved as Cuban. But, you know, he really kind of puts himself in the front office, but at the same time, cedes a lot of a lot of power and control to uh, Donnie Nelson. And Rick yeah. Carlisle has a say and Rick Carlisle has staff members who are kind of Carlisle guys, just like Donnie has people who are, uh, you know, Donnie guys. And, and that's not to say that, you know, they're all at war and at strife. But but I, I the more I learn, the more interested I am in just how everything operates. And I think most front offices are like this, to be clear. I'm not singling out Dallas. I'm just speaking to them because they're the yeah. one that I'm close to. So what what was your impression of, you know, who called the shots, who you spoke to, stuff like that? Every call we had in my seven years was with Donnie, uh, like every single one of them. Yeah. Um, and we never talked to anyone else that I can remember. That, that was kind of how that worked. Now, D- Dallas, I think their reputation is they can be a little more, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of shoot from the hip a little bit, um, whereas some other places are a little more locked down and kind of how they operate. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's worked for them. Like they've been a successful team, right? You, you do, you do get the, the impression just from what I read and what, you know, what you hear and kind of what a little bit, what our experience was that, you know, I mean, Cuban definitely has a strong say, even relative to most owner. I mean, most owners aren't as out front as Cuban is, but a lot of them have pretty, outside say in, in personnel moves similar to the, to the way Cuban does. So that's, that in some ways isn't too uh, dissimilar. I mean, guys, part of the reason guys buy teams, I think, is so that they can play fantasy GM a little bit, right? <laughs> I mean, so I they, they all, all want to, they all want to have their say. And, and so that, you know, that, that's always going to be a part of it. When the athletic makes me a billionaire and I buy my team, that's that's my plan. So, I mean, it's not it's not I'm by no means blaming them. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. I, Donnie, Donnie is like almost a social butterfly in terms of how many people, you know, he knows in the league. He's got his Blackberry and his iPhone. And I swear that he maxes out his unlimited minutes plan on both of them every month. Mm-hmm. Um, just just the, with, the, with the way he constantly communicates with people. So, you know, it, that that checks out with me. Um, you know, but but I I I do think that I, I do sincerely think that um and I'm I'm curious to see if you agree with me, but I, I think 
almost every fan would be surprised if they were ever to learn how things really operate. Oh my God. <laughs> would they yeah. ever? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, in some ways they wouldn't be surprised. And in some ways they would be shocked. <laughs> I'll Does just any team that. have like, um, like a Rasputin type that really doesn't know anything about basketball, but is advising on affairs. That's what, that's the story we really need. Who's the Rasputin of the NBA? You you may you you make it sound like there's only one. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I think I think if we could if we could say that on a podcast, then uh, you'd probably already know about it. It's uh it's it's a funny business. That's that's every 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 additional year I cover it, I'm I'm a uh, I'm a uh, I'm reminded of that, and and certainly you know that way more than me, John. So yeah. uh, I appreciate the time. I uh, appreciate you hopping on and and just kind of wandering around the uh the, the mavericks future with us as as we all kind of figure out what lies ahead because it could be could be really good here in two years um even even a year but but in two years you know there's there's a chance this could all break right for them and i think that's absolutely that's, they're in a that's, great they're in a great spot without any question for sure it's, these it's are the conversations the, you want to be having when you're building a team so instead of hey should we tank again <laughs> you know like oh my gosh Oh no, we've got the guy who might be the best player in the league in like four years. Yeah. It's incredible. As as a as a cover, as a as someone who covers teams, this is by far the most fascinating time to 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 be doing so. So uh John, thanks for coming on. Dave, thanks as always. Um listeners, thank you uh for listening. Uh as your name implies, that is what you do. And uh we will be back next week. See you guys then. Mm-hmm.